0: no touchdown
1: Washington yep yeah. Washington State University no touchdown Washington
0: yep yeah. Oregon and Stanford no touchdown Washington yeah is Arizona State a football team no touchdown Washington. guys welcome back to the dog pot it's week seven this is a special Husky group therapy session today look we're going to quickly get through a 23-13 loss to Stanford and Palo Alto um, and then get to law dog who's on assignment with wildcat radio to preview that next game. This one was tough guys. Um, I think widely regarded as potentially the worst loss in the Peterson era, but we're going to move past that, uh, just as the dog should man and get on to game seven or trip down South to the PAC 12 North leader in Arizona. But real quick guys, we got to talk about Stanford. We got to get into this. Um, you know, if you look back at the game summary, watching this, started off really fast. First drive, 75-yard, 10-play final drive by Kate Otten's three-yard touchdown. Man, Easton was 5-for-5 five five for 56 yards. And we were feeling pretty good, I think, that we could trade, you know, sixes for threes, um, but it really wasn't the case, man. Held Stanford to a pair of field goals. Still felt pretty good, 7-6, but then things turned, man. Stanford's third possession. Mills throws a 42-yard touchdown to a wide-open semi Completely blown coverage by our safety. Cardinal up 13-7. Um, we did respond with another field goal from Peyton, who's been perfection Henry, but 13-10 is as close as, as we'd get. I think all of us felt um, going into the locker room that we'd make adjustments, that we'd come back, and I think probably a lot of Husky Nation felt like the team might have. with. Look, guys, we were supposed to pull these guys out. Let's just get out of here with a win. Um, but we did not make those adjustments. We start driving in the second half, gashing runs by Richard Newton. I mean, unreal runs. And But fourth and two on the stand for 13, We like to go for it uh, rather than tie with a field goal, some fade route that just falls incomplete. And really, I mean, that was the end of it. The drives in, you know, all of our drives in interception, punt, punt, thinking we're going to get the ball back. And we just don't because we can't stop the run. Um, It was a tough one. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but I I think, um, you know, definitely it has Husky Nation a little bit of an upheaval of we're not supposed to lose games like this in this era. A few takeaways, man, special teams was just fine. And that's about it. I mean, Peyton Perfection Henry, he did everything, right? And on that thick grass, too, uh, which was tough. Um, ran into Cameron Van Winkle this weekend and chatted with him about playing down there, and he was just talking about how hard it is to kick on uh, that thick grass. And he was great. Joel Whitford was fine. Return game, fine. Coverage, fine. No problem on special teams. But let's get into where it got ugly. Talking about the defense. Look, you know, all up, the Dogs gave up 23 points, and they were on the field for 39 minutes. So part of me wants to say this, that, you know, I don't, what more do you want? What more do you want? If you're on the field for 39 minutes, you give up 23 points. You know, the offense in the Pac-12 era with the high-powered offense should be able to put up 24, 28, etc. Uh, but, you know, part of them in that time possession game is on the offense for not staying on the field, and part of it's for the defense not being able to stop uh, to get off the field. They held the Cardinal to field goals. Those are nice. I love those red, red zone stops. But, you know, in the end... The one thing I want to mention is that the same problems that we saw against Cal that I, and I think a lot of Husky Nation thought were an aberration because of the weather, because of the late night, because of the stop, whatever, weren't. Same things. The rush defense is struggling. We couldn't get off the field. Cameron Scarlett, man, he hadn't had a 100-yard had uh, game all season, and he frankly just bullied, bullied the Huskies. You yep. know, able to get to the second level, and Wellington, Manu, and others struggled to fill the gaps and struggled to make tackles when they were there. And look, if you can't stop the run, your offense doesn't get a chance. And again, that 39 minutes, 20. So, like, what, you know, what what are they expected to do? And it wasn't because we were scoring fast either. I mean, that's not, you know, you look at some of those time possession games, it's not because we were, you know, scoring fast. We were getting off the field and giving it back, uh, giving it back to the defense. We weren't that great against the pass either, which I think was trouble for us against Cal. Cam Williams uh, was replaced. And I think stats might look good for Molden you know, from all of his tackles, but he was getting picked on for sure. Uh, you know, the, you know as, as we've seen many times in the past, the taller tight ends, they give us a lot of trouble. So Colby Parkinson ate us up there two years ago and did it again this year. Let's talk about the offense. Um, again, not an aberration. What we saw at Stanford, drops were a big problem. Uh, and the other weapons, I think, aren't really stepping up. You know, so you have Fuller, nine receptions. No one else had more than one. You know, Fuller's receptions, like 58% of the total offense and so not balance. And just, it, that the one acrobatic catch he had, which was unreal, but he had drops. He had drops as well. So did Hunter Bryant, uh, Bynum, Bacelli, Pound, Spiker, Osborne, Nakua. No receptions. Either not targeted or not able to pull it in. But no receptions. And now look, we've burned Puka's red shirt, and he has one reception. Um, and I, the other thing I would say with the the you know the passing game is why are we throwing at Paulson Adebo? He's by far the best player in the Stanford secondary, and it seemed like they were targeting him, and, and he enjoyed it. He got the better he got the better uh, yeah, the better of those that was matchups. End of the day, you know, look, I don't, I don't want to put too much of this on Easton, but look, Mills was the better quarterback on the day, period. You know, 21 for 30, 293 yards. They had to bring in the three, third stringer quarterback, Jack West, in the fourth, but they were running the ball so well and, you know, trying to protect the lead. He didn't even throw a pass. So Jack West comes in, doesn't have to throw a single pass. Eason, again, he hit on just 44% with some drops, um, but he seemed lost in the pocket a little bit, running backwards and doing some kind of that browning stuff that he would do on his tough days where he's scrambling left, scrambling right, trying to do kind of Russell Wilson thing, and then throwing off of his back foot while being hit that, again, as you expected, you know, pass gets picked. Richard Newton was by far the better weapon. 10 carries, 64 yards, just a hammer, uh, but he had to lead with a significant uh, left foot injury, but I don't know if we were using him enough before that foot injury. Savon was 6 for 28, but wasn't really able to break away. And and Savon was also getting blown up in pass protection. So, you know, I think it was tough for our defense, tough for our offense, inability to stop the run with Cameron Scarlett. I mean, making him, you know, look like the Pac-12's best rushing weapon. Tough against the bigger receivers. Struggling, struggling to get off the field. And the offense just struggling to put any drives together and make plays when they needed to. Of, uh, on third down, which were, you know, on the bottom of, of D1 and our ability to convert on third down. A few random notes. Um, Asa Turner, Light, Talatu, Cam Williams, Trent McDuffie, Puka Nakua, Timor have all burned their red shirts now in five games. So I think, you know, does that mean we'll see more of them? We'll see. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on this. I think it was a tough loss for uh, Husky Nation. We're all fans here at the end of the day, and it's frustrating. I think we, you know, if you look at this from a bigger picture, we spend our time and money on this team. And let's face it, like when they win, we all have a better time. We wake up happier on Sunday. Maybe that's wrong, but it, it's true. But I say, remember this of however hard you're taking it, like the, the team and coaching it, uh, coaches are taking it twice as hard. You know, if, if you're calling for Peach's he- uh, Coach Peach's head, um, like you're just a complete and utter moron. Turn off the podcast, go take up knitting because, like, you're doing fandom wrong if you think Coach Pete needs to get fired. You know, maybe in the offseason coaching changes need to be made in the staff, um, and they definitely need to figure out the approach. Something is not working. Something isn't working in our second half adjustments because we're getting beat in the second half. Um, I had this 2019 team pegged as two or maybe three loss team. I didn't think it was a CFP team. I thought maybe they could sneak into the Pac-12 championship, and frankly, statistically, they could. Um, I just didn't think both those losses would come to Cal and Stanford. The team has a lot of work uh, to do, but I think we have the talent. You know, I believe in the Coach Pete system, and I think at the end of the day, guys, um, this is a tough one. As hard as you're taking it, know that the team and coaches are taking it much harder. And let's try to do our best to all stay positive. Um, on to Arizona, guys. So look, the dog pod we brought up. We bought 64 group tickets. We're going to be in section 19 and the 20 yard line behind the Husky bench. We're going to be loud on third down, man. If you're in the visitors section, which I believe is section 21. We've got go. You guys have got Huskies. Okay. Let's get loud down there. Um, It's our annual father and son trip. Um, You know, we're sharing this passion with our kids. It's a blast. Um, I think so. I'll keep it positive, right? So, on that, this is going to be a big one, guys. I saw that we're favored by about six. I don't know if I quite get it. Um, Arizona is the most potent offense from a statistical perspective in the pack right now. Um, Maybe that looks on who they played, but they've ripped off four and they're undefeated in Pac 12 play. Um, And they're the top of the South. It's this Saturday night. It's 8 p.m. on Fox Sports 1, 4-2, unranked UW at 4-1, and 1, Pac-12
2: South Leader, Arizona Wildcats. Let's get to Law Dog. The All law right, everyone. Curry. So to help us break down this week's matchup against Washington, we have Mr. Alex Tuttle on the line. He is one of our friends from the Dog Pod podcast. Alex, how you doing, man?
3: Well, you know, it's I've had better days after that loss down the farm, but I'm uh, I've recovered nicely.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, that, uh, yeah, so let's just hop into it. Uh, and of course, thanks so much for joining us. But uh, yeah, I mean, let's, I mean, that, that one had me pretty, I, I didn't watch actually any of the game. Um, I, I was checking scores kind of, you know, like later, probably around halftime or so. Uh, third quarter, and I noticed that Stanford was up 13-10, found that a little head scratching. Uh, but when 100% expected you guys to pull that out, when I dove more into the numbers the next morning, it looked like, I mean, they just dominated the time of possession, really. I mean, It seemed like that's what it came down to. Um, I I mean, I guess, really, what happened, Alex?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, you you got it. Uh, Definitely in the first half, it was a little bit more of a tug-of-war back and forth. Stanford was definitely moving the ball, but was having trouble finishing in the red zone, and that was kind of keeping Washington in the game. Their defense was really stepping up in the red zone there, but... As that we got into the second half, uh, the Huskies suffered a pretty critical injury. Richard Newton, who was really running the ball really well in the in in the game, went out, and they just kind of went away from the run after that. And just you know, for whatever reason, Stanford really showed up in the secondary, even though they hadn't really done it against them all all year. Um, and we're really, and, and not only that, but just getting to the quarterback and, and making Easton skittish behind the line just kind of threw off the offense quite a bit, and they just were completely shut out in the second half. So, you know, it was a really disappointing game. Washington just, on defense, they kind of held and they did enough to win, but they've just carried this team so many times in the last four or five years. You know, it just they can't do it all and they really needed some support from the offensive side and it just the Huskies just didn't really have anything that was working other than Richard Newton, who left the game in the third quarter. So it was overall a really disappointing loss, but and I I, I agree with you. A total head scratcher. I mean, I didn't really see it coming either, but Stanford has always been a really tough place for Washington to play and so it just you know, it didn't come together. Hmm.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing, too, because I think you mentioned it where we all know Washington's lost a lot of talent on defense the last couple of years, mostly to the NFL, and you figure that Jacob Eason coming in, the Georgia transfer, can kind of maybe be that quarterback. You know, you've had some decent quarterbacks, but the thought was maybe this is the guy who's going to be able to take that offense to the next level. I know when the season began, he looked like he might have been that guy, and of course, against Stanford, he certainly wasn't that guy. Is it as easy to say maybe he's not the quarterback that Washington needs him to be, or was Is it just a blip in the radar, a bump in the road, just one game that you can throw away and he's going to be fine the rest of the way, do you think?
3: That's really tough to say right now, and I know it's kind of, you know, it's a cop-out halfway into the season now, but against the three non-conference opponents of whom, you know, no one was really that notable, he really carved up those defenses and looked great doing it. But in the three conference games, he's definitely looked a lot more mortal. I think the combination of things, part of it is... I think the offensive line protection hasn't been as good as kind of Husky fans were really hoping for. It's been fine; they're not like, um, you know, atrocious or anything. But just throwing him off his spots when Eason has his time to sit back there and really look at defense, he is he's really carved them up. So I think that's a factor. But mostly, I think what you'll see is the media and the fan really centered on criticism of the receivers at this point. The, I mean, in the Stanford game, there wasn't a wide receiver other than Aaron Fuller. That even caught a pass until after uh, midway into the fourth quarter, I think. So Fuller was kind of getting open, but even he, I think, had 18 targets and just nine catches, so just not converting. And if drops were really letting them down. And Hunter Bryant was a the guy, their tight end, who was supposed to be like kind of that all-American candidate, at tight end. He just did. He played probably his worst game as a Husky with a few third-down drops early in the game. So I think that it's a combination. Of things, I, I do think we need to see a little bit more before we can just write off Eason. I do think he's got the talent to uh, to succeed and to even you know lead the Huskies back into the conference conversation. But uh, but right now it sure doesn't look great.
2: Yeah, I guess you know I I'm still somewhat convinced, Alex, that that you guys are. Are the cream of the crop, honestly, as far as the Pac-12 is concerned? I know you know a lot of Oregon fans will take exception to that statement. Uh, until I see them, you know, no. I, I, up to this point, you know, they they've been doing <laughs> fine. Um, but uh, and they definitely choked away that Auburn game. But you know, until I see them actually seal the deal with Justin Herbert under center, I mean, I think as far as I'm concerned, you guys are still that uh, that the, the team to be reckoned with within the pack. I mean. Alex, I guess we can kind of shift gears more towards uh, more, more towards Saturday, but you know I, I think the biggest thing right we, we touched on Jacob Easton there. Um, I'm, I'm curious, I haven't been that dialed in this season to Washington. I was certainly more dialed in to the Jake Browning years. What is the biggest difference between Jake Browning the last four years and then just the smaller sample size that we've seen so far with Jacob Eason?
3: Well, that's a great question. I, I Browning was definitely a guy who was a more cerebral quarterback. He was definitely doing a lot of things before the snap in the film room. He was kind of that film junkie type of guy. And he just, you know, was basically like Chris Peterson's like ideal quarterback. He just was he was just a football junkie. Eason is kind of a little bit more of a swashbuckler, kind of just knows he can throw it and jam it in there into tight windows. And so he's been a little bit more – I think they just have kind of different approaches. And part of that, I think, has made Chris Peterson – he just doesn't quite trust Eason, I don't feel like, the same way that he trusted Jake Browning. And so I look at that and and I just think that there's some room there for them to kind of take the the shackles off of Eason. They can still kind of open things up a little in the way they just have been reticent to do. I personally just think they're a little bit more afraid of turning the ball over uh, with Eason, and so they're just they've been a lot more cautious. Um, but you know, uh, you might get fans and, and media and other people to disagree with that a little bit. It's certainly not um, something he said in the press conferences, but just something that I think a close observer would probably look at and raise an eyebrow.
1: And how much has that changed? I guess the way. Washington is, because when we think of Washington, Arizona hasn't played Washington for a couple of seasons now. But when we've seen them, and we've heard of them the last few years. It's great defense, an offense that usually could do just enough, but it was totally reliant on that defense locking people down. Who is Washington this season without some of that defense with that more swashbuckling quarterback who maybe Peterson doesn't have complete trust in? Who are the Washington Huskies of this season?
3: Yeah, I think that is a, another great question. I, I expected you know the defense to reload a little bit more quickly. They definitely had a great game against USC, um, but they have had other times when you know they've looked pretty mortal, like a few drives against Cal and definitely uh, this week against Stanford. So I don't think that they can just rear back and rely on that defense to get them off the field three and out the way they could in the past. So I think they were really hoping to rely on their offense a little bit more Uh, to carry the team, and that just kind of hasn't really, you know, taken shape the way they wanted it to. The running game has been pretty good, but they just don't seem to be able to stick with one guy and really, uh, you know, ride him the way they did with Miles Gaskin last season. I mean, Salman Ackman had a career day against SC, but most of that was an 88-yard touchdown run, so, you know, it's just they've kind of made themselves a little bit more reliant on I guess big plays and, you know, against the better defenses like Cal, maybe Stanford's in that conversation now. It just hasn't quite uh, transpired that way.
2: All right, Alex. So let's go ahead and shift gears specifically to personnel stuff on Saturday. Um, let's go ahead and start with the matchup of the uh, of Washington's offense versus U of A's defense. Um, you know, you, you mentioned running back Newton, who's having a very productive year, but not quite up to up to par with uh, with with, with Selvin Ahmad. Um, I guess as, as far as you know, it. it I guess let, let's just start with injuries, right? Is he expected to play? Beyond that, who are some of the other key players that U of A fans should be looking for?
3: Yeah, I think um, Salvan Ahmed is kind of you know their bell cow at this point because they have really been relying for about you know five to ten carries a game on a freshman named Richard Newton, who's really kind of had a breakout season. He's been their goal line guy. I think he scored something like seven oh. touchdowns. So with the Newton, I would not expect to play. So I expect we're going to see a lot of Achmed. The other guy you might see is Sean McGrew, who pretty highly recruited player out of California, but definitely on the smaller end. And he, um, you know, is not necessarily the bruiser, the physical runner that Newton was. So, um, you know, I think those are the guys that they're running with. I think Washington fans would like to see them really, okay, let's pound the rock. Let's give it to Achmed 20, 25 times. Um, because he's been their most productive player when he's gotten those kinds of opportunities. So I think that's something that'll be part of their game plan. And of course, facing an
2: Arizona
1: defense that doesn't have a reputation for being stout, of course they've been better the last few weeks, would that be the game plan you think if you're Chris Peterson, if you're planning for the Arizona Wildcats, that's how you attack them?
3: I think in an ideal world, Peterson would always want to be just completely balanced. But that does mean a lot more running, I think, than... Than most teams in the today's Pac-12. Um, you know, with that said, with the uh, with the passing game as kind of wounded as it was last week, I think it might be kind of time to rely a little bit more on their running game. So, yeah, I would expect that to be in the game plan. Mo-
2: moving on, I, I guess you know I. Aaron Fuller is the headline receiver. You know, you mentioned that the receiving core in general really struggled against Stanford. Didn't really get going until later on. By that time it was too late. Um, You know, everyone knows Aaron Fuller in my mind, uh, seeing a little bit of Aaron Fuller reminds me a lot of Dante Pettis. Obviously Dante Pettis is now uh, playing on Sundays for the San Francisco 49ers Um, beyond Aaron Fuller. Uh, you know, you mentioned the, the tight end Hunter Bryant. Um, you know, beyond those two, what what are we really looking at in terms of depth and then trust with Jacob Eason?
3: Well, uh, I think prior to this week, not much. <laughs> you haven't seen any of those guys really do much, and uh, I, there's been a lot of clamoring for at least among the fans, and that's translated to some of the media clamoring for some of the freshmen and sophomores that they've really recruited. Um, you know, who have been really highly ranked guys. And uh, so I, I think we could see a little bit more of a guy like Puka Nakua this week, who's a true freshman. They've already burned his red shirt. Um, he was considered kind of one of the more college-ready. They're kind of intimating that they might throw a little bit more his way. Who's a guy named Austin Osborne, who's a red shirt freshman, uh, or he's red shirt in, in any case. And he, um, he had a great spring, and with all the receivers banged up, Um, you know, he really shined. And so I think he could be a guy who could be looking at an opportunity here. But other than that, I mean, the guys who have been in the lineup like Andre Bocelli, he's got a lot of speed, but hasn't really gotten open to the point where Easton's trusted him enough. Bryant is a guy who, you know, has had his great moments um, and has really torn apart some teams, but has struggled a little bit against stiffer competition this year. Uh, There's been some rumors that he's kind of got a nagging injury or something along those lines. So, um, you know, there's definitely lots of choices. It's just a matter of who, if they want to go and pick one of these guys and stick with them.
1: Other side of the ball, defensively, who are we supposed to be looking at as Arizona people? Because obviously we know what Arizona's offense can do with Khalil Tate, with J.J. Taylor, if he's healthy, the receivers they have. They've been pretty good. But defensively, of course, Washington is never a slouch, even if they've suffered a bit of a talent
3: drain the last couple seasons. Yeah, and I would actually say their secondary has pretty much picked right up where it was. I mean, there's definitely some freshmen, and you've seen a mistake or two, a game that has kind of led to some uh, big plays that is uncharacteristic. But they're pretty talented. Trent McDuffie, Elijah Molden, those guys are uh, at corner. Those guys are both, I think, capable of being all conference. So I, I, think those guys are, uh, you know, kind of the strength of Washington defense, the weakness I would say is definitely the linebacking core and they had a lot of trouble, um, you know, with Cameron Scarlett last week and I could see them having a lot of trouble with the side to side, uh, Khalil Tate, you know, kind of getting in an open field, uh, with some of those speedy guys like Tate and Taylor. So, um, you know, I think that's a big opportunity for Arizona this week.
2: You know, I guess beyond uh, t- taking that uh, a step further, right, I mean, I we, it's very obvious that this Washington defense is pretty young, right, having lost uh, Byron Murphy, Taylor Rapp, right, Greg Gangs, et cetera. I mean, a, a handful of these guys, uh, key impact players last year, are now playing in the NFL, um, I, I guess. You mentioned the linebacking core. Now I know you know there are still a couple notable names within the linebacking core, right? You know the Brandon, well- Brandon Wellington, the Ryan Bowman. I mean, I guess what has been the biggest issue within the linebacking core? I mean, is it simply depth, or these guys just kind of haven't really picked up from where last year's team oh. left off?
3: Yeah, I mean, you had a guy last year, Ben Burkherven, who was an All American, who's now playing for the Seahawks who just? Who I think he led the nation in tackles last year. I mean, he just cleaned up everything uh, once it got to the second level, and he was really there everything. And that was a huge loss. And so inside linebacker, they're just particularly weak. Outside linebacker, they've been okay, but it's just like you have a guy on the field like Ryan Bowman who's maybe more of a run-stuffing guy, and then you have a guy like Joe Tryon who's a little bit more of a pass-rush guy. So, you know, you, they don't necessarily have a complete player at that position right now. So, you know, it's easy for teams, I think, to, to see what personnel is out there and kind of call plays accordingly. I think that's what Stanford did really well last week. They got us into some mismatches and things like that. Um, and, you know, up front on the D-line, though, I'd say the Huskies are very stout they, and they're very talented. They're just a little bit young there, too, and... Um, so they, the, even though they've kind of got the talent, you've seen them have breakdowns on the, in the running game and things like that. So I think that's definitely something to watch out for Saturday.
1: Now, Arizona, even though they've won four in a row and Washington's lost that game, Arizona's still the underdog in this one. And I understand and I'm not saying I'm going to pick Arizona to win this one either, but there's one thing I know about Washington is that when they travel to the state of Arizona, it's a struggle. A couple of years ago, <laughs> they lost 13-7. Right, thirteen to seven to ASU the year before they beat Arizona, a bad Arizona team in overtime. The year before or two years before that, lost to Arizona. I think we all remember that game with the field goals and mm-hmm. why didn't you kneel on the ball and the fumble? And then the year before that just got housed in Tempe. What is it about Washington and the
3: Grand Canyon State that don't mix? You know, I wish I knew because I would try to get that message to Chris Peterson this week. Uh, <laughs> the players are always
1: different, even different teams that they're playing, and yet for some reason they just they struggle here
3: historically. Yeah, and i I don't know how to I don't know how to describe it honestly because it goes beyond just Peterson. I mean, Sarkis yeah. really got I mean got his ass kicked in in, in the state of Arizona several times, um, and some of our you know really just toughest losses over the years, like the '92 Desert Swarm down there, you know, and that was Don James, uh, and the, you know, maybe and an undefeated number one ranked Husky team. So, yeah. you know, I don't know how to describe it. it. If, if for the fans, I know it definitely cuts deeper than just the last like three or four games. This has been going sure. on decades. So, so I think everybody's got there and, uh, and you know, the Huskies just have to figure it out that especially in a week like this, where they're coming off a really tough loss and looking like, their wounds, I think they just have to redouble their efforts and focus and just say, Hey, You know, we can't take anybody lightly, no matter if we're a touchdown favorite or not. And I hope that's their mentality this week. But as you guys know, in the Pac-12 and in any college football, it's tough to go on the road two weeks in a row. So if they come out looking flat, I'm not gonna be surprised. <laughs> and I wouldn't be upset.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I think one thing and Adam, I you know, correct me if I'm wrong here and, and I'm gonna speak for you on this sense. Um, I, I think one thing that we've noticed with this Arizona team over the last two years, we'll be able to tell early on On if it's going to be a close game or if we just oh, pay yeah. off flat and we're going to pack it in um so I, I do think that that you know it's definitely helpful you know this four game winning streak fine you know that all of that's great um but this is this is probably going to be the toughest challenge that we've had to date that colorado game you know colorado is no slouch you know they definitely deserve a lot of credit especially going on the road getting that getting that victory uh definitely means something for this team but as far as you know the 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 Talent disparity, I think, between the rosters. I mean, Chris Peterson has just been slaying the recruiting trail. Now, I know, granted, you know, Washington is very young this year. I, I would still argue they are definitely more talent than Arizona currently is. Um, with that said, you know, Vegas, of course, uh, Washington is favored by nine and a half points. It opened at nine and a half. I checked earlier, Tay, and that has dropped three points. There's a lot of money going towards Arizona. Um, you know, the, it, the line's the line, you know, whatever. Uh, this question. Is specifically geared towards who's going to win the game, Alex. Now's the time for your prediction. How do you see Saturday unfolding?
3: Man, you know, it's funny. I was talking to a friend after the Stanford game, and and they were like, you know, now I'm really worried about Arizona. And you know, of course, I, I I'm worried anytime this team goes on the road because it's been um, kind of tough for them. But you know, this is the Pac-12, and it just it feels like every every result that you think you can predict. You know it doesn't come to pass, so mm. you know I, i'm gonna I'm gonna go with Washington in a close one because i'm i am i i'm a self professed homer but <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think any in the air this thing is.
2: interesting interesting yeah and and Adam and I are predictions here uh shortly but uh part of of these segments uh with our guests is uh we're definitely curious you know definitely curious what what that final prediction is gonna be for all
0: right nice work by Law Dog and the guys from wildcat radio again um if you want to learn more about the Arizona matchup, listen to the full episode on wildcat radio. You can also follow those guys on 12 pack radio. That's what we go to from a actual, uh, podcast perspective. Best in the business, man. We're really excited about this trip, heading down, flying out on Thursday, going to spend the weekend down in Arizona Again, 64 tickets. We have together. I think there's 75 of us at the tailgate. We're going to be loud, supporting our dogs down there. This is a great bounce back. It's tough to get wins in the desert. If we can get this one, get some momentum coming back into Oregon, um, yeah, I think we're in pretty good shape. So let's get it down. We're gonna be fine. Let's go, dogs. Huh?
3: Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Yeah. Washington
1: State University. Nope. Touchdown, Washington.
0: Yep. Yeah. Oregon and Stanford.
2: Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. No. Is Arizona State a football team? Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Yeah.